You're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi on the Stitcher Radio Network. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the men in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Futus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Yes, a Jedi's trick flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. Welcome, everybody, to Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm Rick Moyer, and with me is... Amy Moyer. My darling wife. Yes, I, I hope so. This is episode number 481 of the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, full of geeky goodness, and uh, we're in the driver's seat. We get to shuttle the craft. Yeah, I was I was thinking the first podcast I ever did with you was about six years ago in May. Was it six or seven years ago? It was a long time ago. It was ago. a while for the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Yeah, you hosted with me on Mother's Day. Yeah, and we reviewed a Next Generation Star Trek. No, Are we, we just, just talked about oh, sci- women in sci-fi and stuff. Okay, yeah. but we did talk a lot about characters in next generation probably because that was your favorite so we watched it a lot it still is my favorite yeah mm-hmm. i know because when you're feeling down and you're out of town you got to turn that tv set not too far down because you got to watch star trek the next generation well i've been fighting a cold so i've been geeking out on veronica mars and buffy the vampire slayer <sighs> those are my go-to feel better um, save the universe, stop corruption. Well, there's something about Star Trek The Next Generation, and even Voyager, that if you watch it when you're feeling down, you feel better. Now, Deep Space Nine isn't quite the same, and neither is Enterprise or the animated series. Okay. Mm, I'm just saying. I liked Voyager once in a while. And the original series is pretty good when you're not feeling good, too. Uh. Yeah. Well, you can make fun of all the really bad props and be sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, I probably didn't make very many friends right then, did I? Hey, Star Trek rocks, and it just does. <laughs> so there. Okay, so a little bit of geeky news before we get into the episode we're going to cover today. We have three comments from different people in the Treks and Sci-Fi community. Yeah. So that's going to be fun to play those at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. All, and we'll comment on them. And then we'll comment on the comments. If we need to. And we're going to be covering the Next Generation episode, the first one of the second season called... The Child. The Child. Because why? Because it's your favorite. Because it's one of my favorites. Well, I like the Inner Light, too, but I think someone had just covered that. 
I think it's been covered. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. But first, let's talk about a little bit of geeky news. Hold on. All right. Okay, let's talk a little bit of geeky TV because there's been some uh, some good stuff on lately. I'm impressed with the sci-fi and fantasy shows that have been on, like uh, Arrow. Yeah. Really great show. It gets confusing at times, but it's still it's a good show. It's not confusing to me. Now, The Tomorrow People, you like that, but it's confusing to me. Mm, not to me. Okay. But that's because you've watched every episode. Yeah. Yeah, but they have a brand new one on the CW. Yeah, and and it's one we've watched together. I think two episodes so far. The hundred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the premise of of it was there was a nuclear um, holocaust on the Earth, mm-hmm. and a hundred years later, the space station that housed the human race. Is well, starting to go haywire. And, and if you go back a little further, I think they said something more like there were several space stations. Oh, really? That were like See, around, you know, different countries had little space stations. And then they brought them all together and built like one arc. Okay, that got contained it. Got the it. Human race. Well, long story short, mm-hmm. they decide to send the teenagers down to the earth to see if it's habitable. But but it's because their um, because their environmental things are, dying, are failing, failing, yeah, and they won't be able to support life on them for more than four months at the current population. Correct. So they're either having to cull the human race, which is a nice way for word for murder, genocide, a bunch of people, yeah, or or this they had this plan to send their juvenile delinquents down to the. We have to turn your mic up a little bit. It's pretty much maxed out. I just don't have a lot of a voice right uh, now. Okay. I'll just turn you up artificially. Okay. So I'm trying to talk loud. Does that help? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I was turned to the side. To She's actually, speaking into a tribble, by the way. Everybody. I was trying to look at you while I talk, but then I'm not speaking directly. I like it when you mind. look in my eyes, baby. Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I really, Hailing so far. frequencies open. So far, I think, I'm sorry about my cracky voice, still getting over a cold, but um, so far I think that the 100 show mm-hmm. is about 10 times better than any sci-fi original movie. Well, yeah, anything is better than an original um, sci-fi movie. But, you know, with the trailers, it showed like a, a deer with two heads. and, and So there's you know, obviously some and mutation. So, so I'm like, oh, no, is this going to be one of those weird it, giant okay, crocodile I, Okay, me, movies. I personally, I think they're capitalizing on the Hunger Games with this. There is a little bit of Hunger Game-ish uh, things going on there. Yeah, there is. I don't know. Maybe just teenagers surviving, trying to you know I, survive a little, in a this little bit. environment. A little bit, but so far I've been surprised. I've liked it more than I thought I would. I wasn't sure if I would even Me too. make it through one episode. Me too. And it's um, and it's by CW, and CW surprises me with the quality of their. You shows. like their shows? They're teenage anxious. But the other one that we're watching that we really like. Is called um, is it Starcrossed? Yeah, and is that what a, it's called, Starcrossed? And that is with an yeah. alien species that that crash landed basically on Earth. Uh huh. 
10 years ago. And uh, a little boy ran. His dad told him to run. And this little girl, which is, she's the cutest little girl. She was on that We oh, Bought no. a Zoo movie. I just yeah. think she's adorable. She hides him in her garage and brings him cold spaghetti to feed him. <laughs> and that's how the show and, starts and out. And that's how it, and then it but goes they arrest him. 10 years later after they put them basically in a concentration camp and... What are their um, name? What's the name of the species? Do you remember? I can't remember. Ah, uh, I can't remember. But believe we don't remember. But um, for like ten years, they're they're shut up in like a concentration camp. And they look like humans, except that except they have they tattoos have that tat glow. Well, they don't. When they get glow wet, normally. But if they're wet, they glow blue. Right. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I wish I had that kind of a tattoo. <laughs> and around um, here in this in this neck of the woods, I'd be glowing all the time. And ten years into the storyline. They decide that they're going to try to integrate seven teenagers, I believe. Something like that. Into the public high school. Which is perfect for the CW. I'm surprised <laughs> that they uh, they were yeah, able to film this because the, being that... Uh, CW does a lot of shows where their demographic is, is, is surprising. surprising. No, it wasn't surprising at all. People. That's exactly yeah. what they would do. Yeah. They, but we like it so far. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we have a teenager at home too, so it doesn't mean anything. I don't know. So we we do. She watch. doesn't like it. Yeah, I guess we watch more of those than, than she, she does. does. Yeah. They also have a kind of historical oh history. Gosh. Rain. Um, rain. Rain. And I think it's a CW's answer to um, what house? What that the throne one? Game of Thrones? No, Game not even Thrones? close to Game of Thrones. No, no. I there's, don't know. It's there's getting... really no fantasy elements in it at all. There's no like oh, yes, dragons. There well, no, there isn't. Well, there was just this monster, and there's this evil cult. And, was there a monster? I and didn't and see the monster. Nostra Nostradamus, uh. which he is a seer, and it it's gotten a little bit strange the last few episodes. The kings kind of went a bit loony. A bit loony. And so I'm not quite sure about it. I think it's maybe more of a PG-13. Come back here. I'll bite um, your kneecaps off. CW's None response. None shall pass. I haven't seen Game of Thrones, but I've heard some people say it's a little bit more mature orientated. Is that right? How to say that? Well, yeah. Yeah. Not as family friendly. No, no. They're actually starting a brand new one about bankers called Game of Loans. Oh no! Oh no! Okay, well we. But they did have a board, a whole Star Trek segment. board one called Game of Drones. Oh no! 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 Okay. All right. Okay. Well, Wait, we'll we stop better that. move on. Okay. Well, we'll anyway, be caught in land. Shall we jump into the episode? Uh, we're going to be sure. covering the episode of Star Trek: Next Generation. First off, before we do that, I want to say thank you to everybody who's been doing such a, a fabulous job on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast, Rico. You really know how to do this right. And gosh, we're going to come up on 500 programs pretty soon. That's wow. unheard of in the podcasting yeah. community. That's so, Rico, good. congratulations on bringing a community together like this. And we've been really enjoying and the Facebook been listening, page. You and I have been listening for about six years or yeah. seven, yeah. something like that, yeah. for quite some time. A long time. Yeah. And I still like it. You don't listen as much. I do once in a while. We, we used to put... Um, Share a set of headphones or put a hair head a hair phone <laughs> headphones headphones are good too though they're kind of fun headphone splitter in and we listen when we went on walks together or we drove in the van remember the van yeah and yeah. sometimes you still do that you'll because our um 
MP3 jack is broken in the car. So if we have a long trip, you'll you'll burn a couple podcasts onto yeah. a CD, yeah. and we can listen on our way someplace. Yeah. Hey, guess what? <clears throat> what? Um, Star Trek: The Next Generation um, uh, season five Blu-rays are out, and they just dropped the price. Well, you probably won't be getting them very soon because you're saving up for your camera, though, right? Yeah, well, we'll talk about that on our own podcast. By the oh, way, we okay. have a podcast, too, if you ever want to listen. It's called the Take Him With You podcast, and we're up to 260, 70 programs. So if you don't hear enough of us um, bantering ranting, back bantering and, forth and, and arguing, talking about what sci-fi shows we like and don't like. What new piece of geeky equipment should my husband buy next? Well, I need to get the <laughs> Blu-rays of, of season five because that's cool. You have the first four season on Blu-ray. No, right? I have season two, three, four. Two, th- I don't well, have season one. Don't worry about <coughs> getting season one. I do want season Worf one. Worf had the worst haircut. No, I don't care about Worf's haircut. That was my, one like, of my favorite seasons was season one. He was a wimp and had grandma hair. Anyway, I'm going to get them all because they're really not that badly priced. $43 in the U.S. Season for, 1 wasn't as good. For Blu-ray with the with the new effects on it. Season 1 was Worf getting beat up every, every Season episode. 1 was really cool, dorky sci-fi. I loved it. However, we are going to be starting on the first episode of Season 2 today. And there are all sorts of cool firsts in this one. And we'll talk about them when we get into the episode. So, ladies and gentlemen... Here we go with this week's episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called The Furry Verse First. Gosh, I'm tumbling over it's my. It's called The Child. Season two, episode one. Right here on the Treks and Sci Fi podcast. And we start off, and uh, the Enterprise is hovering in space with another spaceship right next to it. And here's our very first first. We get to see the cargo bay with and a shuttle new shuttlecraft craft. taking off. Great special effects. Did you know that the first, this is also first, they remodified the bridge from season one to season two and added a few things here and there. And if you watch, you can see some of those extras that they added so on. So is the bridge mauve or is it tan? It depends oh on the Oh my gosh, lighting. you're such a girl. And then they have tan seats. But it looks like the carpet's kind of a, almost a pink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we've had debates about the color of uniform. See, that's a golden uniform. Do you see the other first thing? Um, Riker has a beard. Ah, uh, and it felt weird. He had, had a, a beard. beard. So Riker has a beard. Did you know that originally they were going to, um, he was going to be spelled Riker with a, instead of an I, it was with a Y, R-Y-K-E-R. And he was modeled after the um, character William Decker from the original motion picture. And that's that's the one that had a crush on the bald-headed lady? Yeah, Aaliyah. That didn't wear pants and was bald. She was bald. Now, do you notice what's a first here? What's a first? 
Oh, does Jordy have a new banana clip on his eyes? No, but Jordy has a new job. Oh, yeah, he's he's an engineer now. He's the chief engineer now. He took over for the several chief engineers they had. In that got, there were some that got killed in some of the remember. things, too, I think. And um, Here's Wesley on Wesley's the bridge. He's still on the bridge. He's the yeah. ensign. No, he's not an ensign yet. Oh, he's not. That will come later in the episode. He's just a... He's just hanging out. A wannabe. Mm-hmm. Was the Wanderer in the first um, season where the Wanderer told Picard that he needed to The Traveler, not the Wanderer, dear. Oh, sorry. Same diff, right? From SETI Alpha. Whoops. I can't remember SETI Alpha something. Beyond the universe. There's Data with his cool whitish makeup. kind of nice to see LaForge now, do something do other than have, hit buttons on the do bridge. Do they have new uniforms to this season? Their uniforms are a little bit changed, yeah. Because the first season, didn't they have to they keep still on do pulling that. them down they all still the time? They're wearing jumpsuits. So Data picks up this uh, fluctuation. Now we see this little light flying into the Enterprise. It comes up through the floor. It's kind of cool little light. Mm -hmm. Did you, oh, now, okay, speaking of Ilea from the motion picture, the, originally this script or part, parts of the script were written for phase two, the one they were going to do for the next Star Trek um, incarnation okay. with Kirk and Spock and everybody. And Ilea was going to be impregnated with this light. <coughs> huh. They just like the bald-headed girl with no pants. I guess so. So now the little light looks at a guy with a hairy chest and decides, nope, and disappears. And then it goes into another quarter, somebody's quarters, and it's hovering cute little ball of light isn't it very cute and it's looking around boy it's bright oh wait 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 who oh it slips under the covers which uh -oh. is a little awkward uh oh and you can see the light kind of underneath the covers but we don't know who it is yet and then all of a sudden he it, slips somewhere it else appears, which is a little Whoop. awkward and then as it looks up oh my gosh it's diana and she's asleep but now she's well. She's not sleeping very comfortably. She woke up in a sweat. Kind of like she's disturbed. Like, what the heck was that? There's been a disturbance in the force. All right. So there we go. That's the intro. And now it goes to the the intro. This was the first episode of the second season. Uh, the 26th of 176 produced in TNG. The um, director was Rob Bowman, who we've heard of before. And the writers were Jaron Summers, John Pavel, and Maurice Hurley. And we know Maurice has written other ones as well. So, Stardate 42073.1. Fun, fun, fun. I always liked the intro to this show. I know it by heart. Now, okay... I was telling you about a new show I was looking forward to the other day. Yeah. Um, and I believe the director of it is Ron Moore. Ron Moore, yeah. And he directed... The guy Battlestar Galactica. Okay, he did Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek. but he did some Star Trek. He's doing a, a new show for one of the big, oh, is it Stars or one of those, one of those um, cable things um, <laughs> called Outlander. And it's based on a series 
um, kind of sci-fi, kind of historical fiction because it, it involves time traveling. Oh, that ought to be interesting. So um, if anyone's a big reader, they may have heard of the Outlander series. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that'll be interesting to see what he does with it. Yeah. I certainly wasn't impressed with Helix. Oh, I, cu I couldn't watch more than one episode of that. That was kind of gross. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we start off here. And uh, apparently they have a plasma plague going on. I don't know what a plasma plague is. It's bad. Okay. Going to make an antidote. So Jordy has made this sample container where they're going to take the live plague to some place for it to make the antidote. Lieutenant LaForge says we will be able to engage the warp drive within the hour. Grant, Mr. Data, when we have a complete list of all the specimens now, we'll be carrying, I want supposedly to Crusher, Dr. Uh, Crusher, has mm -hmm. left the Enterprise and is the head of Starfleet Medical. Now. Okay. But she left her son on board. Well, he had some projects to finish. Uh -huh. But they're going to go drop him off. That's what they say they're going to do. Okay. So the captain now is wanting to talk to the new doctor. So she, she he calls sickbay. What? He's She's where? Now this is another first. Mm -hmm. They just announced 10 forward. Was not in the first season. Okay. However, when you go to the very last episode of Star Trek Next Generation, it's assumed that 10 forward is actually there. They just don't talk about it mm. in the first season. Uh, but it was it was made. The set was made for. But there's a holodeck in the first season, right? Because that was in the right. very first episode with Data. Right. And Several different ones. Yeah. But this is interesting. Um, it's the first time we're going to see Ten Forward. It's also time. the first time we're going to see Guinan, mm -hmm. the bartender, uh, and hostess, who is Picard's buddy, uh, which is played by Whoopi Goldberg, who. Mm -hmm. requested to be on the show because she thought that Uhura was so cool. Michelle well, we Nichols. were watching Trekkies, just wasn't it last night? Yeah. When um, we heard about Whippy Goldberg, when she was just a very small child, mm -hmm. and she saw Michelle Nichols playing Uhura on the uh, first time on TV, and she ran into the kitchen and said, Mama, Mama! There's a black lady on TV, and she's not playing a maid. Yeah. And it it became a very pivotal point in Whippy's childhood and, and helped her be able to dream big dreams. And yeah. I just I was sick in bed this morning. I watched a little bit of The View, and Whippy Goldberg was on there. there. Very successful well, I was like, actress I'm, and I'm not really a fan of her stuff except for... Star Trek. On I Star love Trek. Her. She's great. And Sister Act. And here we are. She's we just walk into... We walk into 10 Forward for the very first time. Uh -huh. And there's Guinan with her cool hat. She, she always had, had cool hats. very cool hats, yeah. I liked it when she went and got in the, uh, the first movie. And... Mm -hmm. uh, and they had just awesome she costumes and for her. Was it Nemesis or Next? Which one? The first movie? The one that she was in with uh, that thing that traveled through space and the messed Nexus. everything. Nexus, yeah. Generations. Generations, that's the one it was yeah. called. So here is Diana sitting down uh, with the doctor, and she looks pretty nervous. And now they're they're in ten forward. Now they're in the conference room. 
and the staff is all in there. They've got uh, Data and Dana Worf. Riker, Worf, Doctor Pulaski, and Diana sits way down at the end of the table. And of course, Captain Picard. <laughs> she's pregnant she's gonna have a baby and will's looking a little shocked since he had been her and zotty yeah her sweetheart at one time this pregnancy is unlike anything i've ever encountered so diana's pregnant a few hours ago i have done two complete examinations of counselor troy now this is the first examination the fetus is about halfway so dr pulaski starts to explain that Deanna's pregnant, but the baby is growing faster than your normal baby. So an hour later, the baby's getting bigger, and usually betazoids take 10 months to have a baby. 36 hours she's going to have this baby. He doesn't mean to be indelicate. Yeah. <laughs> Look at her. Last night, while I slept, <laughs> something which I can only describe as a presence entered my body. Oh, no. A presence? Of unknown origin and Look at Worf. Worf's got this look on his face like... So, kind of like Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Whatever. She didn't have a father. Doctor, what are the tests to show? Is it a... Metachlorians. They establish that the baby's a betazoid half human. Now they go on and they talk about maybe aborting the child and all this stuff, but um, they use special effects and she hears the heartbeat of the child and she kind of zones out a little bit. Now Worf starts to get into this like we should we should terminate the pregnancy. Because he's now the security chief. <coughs> and he doesn't want this alien on board the ship. But Deanna is, is sensing this is a real being inside of her. And so she's tuning in to the child. And, and if you listen, he can hear they're the debating back and forth if they're going to abort the child or not. And finally... Captain. Yes? necessary to protect the ship and the crew but know this i'm going to have this baby so she takes control of her reproductive rights and chooses and to chooses have to have the baby, the baby. And it seems a discussion. i wonder what would have happened if Worf would have pushed it i think she would have kicked his butt well, everybody oh. <laughs> kicked Worf's butt. Well, first season. He gets yeah. a little This is the second season. His hair is a little longer, so he gets a little stronger. Yeah, he gets stronger. He's kind of like Samson yeah. from ages. Yeah. Of, yeah. His so, strength okay, goes so with his hair. Reality-wise, though, uh -huh. she got impregnated by some weird alien force, and she's so adamant about having the baby. What's going on? And now she's totally waddling. And didn't you read that they, oh, yeah. they actually made... The baby bump out of bird seed. So, That's, so it would so it actually was, be heavy. So it was actually, you know, like almost all bird seed. Fifteen pounds yeah. of bird seed in front of her. In my body. Better than fine. Wonderful. Interesting that this pregnancy doesn't come with any pain or nausea or anything. 
the alien is making it so that she doesn't feel oh, anything bad. Isn't that I, nice? I wish. Don't you wish I was an alien? Huh? Don't you wish I would have been an alien? Um, then you wouldn't have had any pain. Or... Yeah, I, yeah, that didn't happen. Oh, this is cute. Look at this. I want one of those suits. He looks like he has a beekeeper suit on. Well, he's the guy. He's uh, the guy, Maurice, at uh, at the Federation Medical Sample Place. I, I wonder if that's his real hair or if he has a bad... Um... I think that's his real hair. Oh, I better not say anything, then. In the like vein... I want to complete kind of Donald Trump hair. Okay. Okay. Mr. Data, download the inventory and cross-reference it with the medical computer. Number one, arrange to have Hester Dell transported up. Hester Dell, that was his name. Isn't that cool? Mm. Hester. Hester used to be a lady's name. Well, not this. Well, he had ladies' hair, but that was about it. Yeah, he did kind of have... So they have this really cool um, sample container with the Lacar's uh, computer screens on it. And now they're going to beam it in there. Beam all the samples of yucky stuff onto it. Into it. Now it looks like Deanna now, she just met Data in the corridor, and they're going to go into sickbay. And another first... In sickbay, they changed it up a little bit. Above the bio beds, you're going to see lights that they didn't have in the first season. That was kind of insensitive. They're going to assemble the uh, whole security security, like because the baby's going to be born. Oh no! Aren't that cool that they put the lights above sickbay like that? They look good. They weren't like that before. No. It was darker in Now, we start to see Pulaski's not... He, she doesn't love Data very much. It, it was kind of like a Bones and Spock relationship it, at, first. at first. At first, but later on like, in the season, she and Data were... Well, they were adversarial for a while. Not, on, Data doesn't understand. Stratego, that episode... It wasn't Stratego. What was Stratagemo? Stratagemo. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, we had a game called Stratego, so yeah. I got myself. But she, she got more respect for him then. Yeah. Are you able to access his thought process? Does he have thoughts? You are aware of him. Is he aware of you? When does that So Data's asking all these questions of Deanna, but she's going to have a baby. Now. 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 Doctor. 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 <laughs> They do such a great job of comedy with him. Wouldn't you wish? <laughs> She's felt no pain. My goodness. Oh, so here's Worf. And if you look, Riker's in the background, too. Oh my gosh, my Anzati's having a baby, and I'm not the dad. Of course, we know later on she marries him. Not till the movies, though. Not till the movies, that's right. There he is, look at <laughs> Kind of like Sully and Dr. Mike. He delivered his baby. No, he's just lure, lures in the background oh, when everything's happening. Okay. Dr. Mike, medicine woman. So here she goes, squeeze, squeeze, push. 
<laughs> I don't think it's squeeze. Push is more <laughs> appropriate. Look at Data. Data's eyes are like, what the heck? And there's the baby, just like that. You know, I'm sorry, but when I had babies, my makeup and hair wasn't perfect. Yeah, but you I didn't have an that. alien inside. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Our kids are. Look at that. They got a nice little baby butt show there. With That's a, a tiny little baby, too. Umbilical cord and everything. Yeah. I guess the baby's not a threat, so everybody's okay. She cleans him up and sets him on Deanna, and you are the proud mommy of a baby, whatchamacallit, baby boy. They clamped off that and built oh, that quickly. Yeah. Well, they laser scalpeled it. Look at She's cleaning him up. Oh, he's so cute, too. She hasn't asked yet if it's a boy or a girl. Didn't she say he's beautiful? Oh, okay, maybe. Then she names him. Easy births, the norm for better doors? No. Not according to my mother. Not according to my mother. <laughs> you can come in the rest of the way. Now. She names him after her daddy. Mm. Yeah. Our firstborn had my dad's middle yeah, name. True. Oh, I've had my dad's name for his middle name. Yeah. Janet, you and your men can relax. It's just a baby. Just a baby. Oh, and he's so cute. Obviously not newborn, but I guess they could just pull a newborn baby on the set, huh? Thank you for allowing me to participate. So Data got to see his very first baby born. When he still had emotion in the first couple seasons. It was remarkable. Ian Andrew. Mm. Our second child was Andrew. Yeah. See, I like the name Ian, though, but. And that's because of Star Trek. We ran, no. Yeah, we, we just ran out of boys. It would have been awkward to name our daughter Ian. He's beautiful, Ian. I don't know. Aww. He gave her a little kiss. Riker gave her a kiss. On the cheek. Fine. What's interesting is that Wonderful. as we go, she's not even going to realize that she ever had a baby, and Dr. Doctor Pulaski will say, hey, looks like you never did. <coughs> so there's a miracle going on here with the baby being of alien mm. conception. So now Dr. Pulaski goes onto the bridge for the very first time. Lots of firsts. And she's wearing a very nifty pantsuit. She is. She's it's not wearing a jumpsuit like no? everybody else. Which I wonder why. Probably because she's... She had a tummy? Well, she's, she's still pretty slight. Or, yeah, she's slim, but she's, you know, not a 20-something. Well, and Dr. Pulaski, Diana Mulder, is that how you say her last name, Mulder? She was Mulder? in the original series. She was on the original series twice. Mm -hmm. She was the blind ambassador with the Medusan guy. And what else? She was also one of the... Um, she was one of the, in the, the Sargon one, when Sargon, when they switched their minds with the... Yeah. A Vulcan episode? No, no. The, where they had the brains, the colored brains in the two, in the domes. Okay. And then they merged together with Kirk. Uh -huh. This lady. 
who was a okay. like a uh-huh. something. She, she played an alien right, wife. Spock, right. Was possessed with an alien. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kirk got to kiss her. He kissed everybody though. Oh my gosh! So they go to look at the baby, and when they walk in, out comes this little guy with big bushy she, hair. She had to like stand in front what, of the seven? replicator and and get a next size larger clothes every hour, right? Yeah. He looks older than four. I'm sorry. Mm, yeah. Depends. Say hello. He can talk. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh my gosh. This could be a a serious situation on their hands. Nice line by the kid. Please don't worry. Everything's okay. Excuse me. So Picard's rather shocked. We are yeah. faced with two major problems. Troy's child and the deadly cargo we are about to take off. Oh my goodness. In the hours since his birth, Troy's baby has continued his rapid growth and now appears physically and mentally to be a child of eight. And now he's already up to eight years old. Who he is, within an hour or so. Sickbay, this is the bridge. We are ready to begin loading. She calls data data. Data. Huh? Data. My name. It is pronounced data. Oh. <laughs> you called me data. <laughs> What's the difference? One is, One is my name. name. The, the other is not. <laughs> Sorry, I have that memorized. I love that. With all your neural nets, algorithms, and heuristics. Is there some combination that makes up a circuit for bruised feelings? Possible? So Pulaski, I like her. I I really enjoyed her. Do you like her as a doctor? You know, I I liked both the doctors, but she reminds me more of the original series, the more Bones. Of Dr. McCoy? Yeah. I think so, too. And I have to admit, even though I make fun of the original series, I liked Bones. Yeah, Dr. McCoy was pretty cool. But I did enjoy Dr. Pulaski. And there are some people that do not like her at all. But I'm so glad that my friend Chris from Florida... You know Chris? Yeah. Oh, I've never sent, met him, but I've talked to him. Yeah, he sent me a Dr. Pulaski. Look at. I know you. You play with. I've your got it right Dr. here, everybody. Pulaski doll. What do you think of this episode? Oh, I love it. Give me some tea and crumpets, please. I will. F- you will feast upon crumpets. I'll fill you with crumpets and tea. I liked her on um, the Sherlock Holmes episode. It was good. So I've got her, and she's in her. She doesn't have her little pantsuit on, but she does have. Uh, she's wearing a typical uniform for some reason. I keep her next to me all the time. Oh, I like puppies. Look at the puppies. You also have a wharf about that same size. Yeah. Look your your date is a little larger. Ian's <laughs> playing with puppies now, and they're very cute. What, what would you do with puppies on the Enterprise? Hopefully have a good um, ventilation system. 
tactile child. He wants to touch and Oh, there's the teacher. It's time to go, sweetheart. Wouldn't you have loved it if your kids grew up that quick? No diapers? I think he's actually well. since you dropped him off. I like it here, mommy. I thought you would. <laughs> you you just go well. I don't know. My kids grew up too fast as it was. I love the little video games that the kid was playing with. Holograms. And the lady had a Dorothy Hamill haircut. Did you see that? I tried to have my haircut like that before, but it just kind of looked like a boy's haircut. It was a haircut fail. There was a... They're in the cargo hold again, and now we get to see Miles O'Brien for the first time in the second season. Chief O'Brien. And right now they're taking all the samples, and they're with Hester, or is it H Hester? Yeah, Hester place, something. We're ready for the next. <clears throat> so they're doing all this work and transferring all the stuff over, and... Kind of fun. I guess there was some um, some scenes that were added or that were taken away from this particular episode as well. One scene was um, Diana. Well, what happened was um, they cut some of these things out of the show because for time's sake. And then um, most of these things that they found later were on. Uh, they were able to go back and put them back in, or at least show like the deleted scenes on the on the Blu-rays. Mm -hmm. But this in particular one didn't get to them until after the second season was already on Blu-ray. Uh, so they didn't get included in it. Now you do see from other seasons you see some of these, but it didn't get in in time. But they do have them on the internet somewhere. I think you can find them if you look for season two TNG. Deleted, deleted scenes. scenes. You'll find them. Okay, so so the little boy purposely burns himself to feel what it's like. Mm -hmm. But he also had a scene where he dropped a glass of, of juice on his lap. <laughs> to feel that To feel sensation. that solution. Yeah, sensation. to feel that. Yeah, sensation. Um, there's another one for when she's waiting for the baby to be born that was taken out. There's also a, a scene where they're working on the transporter. And where Picard c congratulates her for having the baby and everything. And then uh, another one with uh, Wesley that was cut out. But you can find them online if you look. If you're interested. So now Picard is, is talking to him about, why are you here? This is interesting. I think the captain wants to know if you're ready to tell us why you came here. No. Not yet. They got a pretty good actor for this guy. Mm -hmm. He did a pretty good job. The older one. Actually, the younger one did pretty good, too. I think it's he deciding if he can trust them or not. Yeah. When his cognitive powers are sufficiently developed, he will be able to articulate it. I hope he'll tell us soon. So she thinks he's his oh, cognitive development isn't his cognitive development isn't developed enough to express to himself everything. clearly. Right. But it's in there. Right. 
now that was a cool little uh, yeah. Now we see shot from outside, from outside the, the Enterprise down the Enterprise, down and then we the look into the forward. yeah the, into the windows, and there is Wesley having his first conversation with Guinan. The first of many. Yes. Wesley needed a lot of guidance. He did. I like the blue drink. I'd like to have some of that. Is that Romulan Three, ale? Look at that three-tiered chess set. Can mm -hmm. I get you some? Would that be fun to be able to act with Whoopi and be on Silly Kid? Why did he leave? How about a nice cup of Moruvian tea? No, nothing. Thank you. <laughs> You'll be leaving soon. So here's the dilemma Wesley is facing. His mom is now back at Starfleet headquarters mm -hmm. as the medical lady, head of Starfleet Medical. And he really shouldn't be staying on a on the Enterprise since she's not there. So. By himself as a kid. And he really needs to go. He wants to go to the Academy. What do you see when you look out there? But I think he might be a little young. But also I think he feels like his destiny's in space. Yeah. Remember he did try last season to join the uh, Starfleet Academy, but he... He got beat by the the blue guy with the gills and the smoke mm -hmm. that came out of his little. Yeah. Did he fail the psych exam too? No, I think he did. He actually he did well. Okay, and he's a little. Do these things scare you? He was a little. A little. Bit, he was a little bit giddy about the attention from the girl too. Oh yeah. So I think emotionally he might not have been ready. She said I was cute. Even if it's not Is that good? I think so. Sometimes. Poor Sometimes Wesley had such interesting lines. Yes. But sometimes the game is <laughs> no one to consider yourself before others. Give yourself permission to be selfish. Mm, interesting. So now Wesley's rethinking if he's gonna maybe he could stay on the Enterprise. This was a cool shot that, here. That was because it went into warp. And it just like all the stars went swept by in yeah. streaks. It, and they were, of course, they're in ten forward, which is the very front of the ship. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. The containment field is not containing. What are they gonna do? If that gets loose on the Enterprise, they're all dead. Yeah. A plasma plague. Uh oh. As we said before, this particular script was originally written for Star Trek Phase Two, the spin-off series originally set to air in 1978. But they ultimately abandoned that series, obviously. But in the in the original script, a being of light impregnates Lieutenant Ilea uh, to experience life as a Delton, and um, then of course they uh, they used another part of the script, The Devil's Due. Um, Elements were used. Remember when uh, they 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 get the flim flam artist? That's the devil. You never talk about the lady. Yeah. They use parts of that sure in Star Trek Next time. Generation from that script back there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, kind of cool. The one of the world's worst oh, movies was Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Oh, don't say like that. that. It wasn't it that was bad. It was just continual special effects and hardly any script. Yeah. I don't care for... I, I like more meaty 
people's stories and less special well, effects. But I do like Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. Yeah. That was a great addition. You know, when they were talking about um, when uh, Dr. Pulaski was calling him uh, Data, uh -huh. originally that's what his name was going to be. It was going to be Data. But they changed it to Data. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I'm here. And then uh, original character traits prior to the changes include Captain Picard's first name was going to be Julian Picard. And Rikers, of course, we said spelled with a Y. And Wesley Crusher was going to be Leslie Crusher, mm -hmm. Dr. Crusher's daughter. Uh, but they opted for a boy. Okay, this is a, a Star Trek Next Generation question. All right. Why do we have a French name, Jean-Luc, and an English actor? I don't know. I never did get that. They had him, he's supposed to be French. Yeah. But he's English. He's British. Yeah. His schedule and... Schedule. Schedule and different... He well, talks. he's obviously from Britain, yeah. Yeah. And yet in some of the... Some of the specials, he, you know, went back to France to the family vineyard. Yeah, that was some of my favorites. Yeah, great, but he's not French. He's British. Oh, well. One of those mysteries. And how Dion. Have you ever seen that footage of Voyager when they had the original captain was actually a French actress? And she only lasted like two days on set. Uh -uh. And then they, they got somebody else. Well, they, um, another they got thing, Kate Mulgrew. Another thing is how come Deanna has a accent and yet both her mother and father didn't. Yeah. <coughs> I don't know. But the funny part is. Her real accent is English. Cockney. I don't know. <coughs> you okay? <coughs> Need something else to drink? I think so. Mm. I'll go get something. She's going to go get something, and I'm going to... I'll take over for you, okay. dear. Bring me something, too, huh? All right. That'd be great. Another little geeky factoid. <coughs> um, during season one, they used the um, the hologram generator <coughs> to look at different things on the on the um, the table. You know, I, if you remember some of the episodes where they used that, and they did at first in this ep the first episode of the second season in Picard's ready room, they had a picture, uh, a hologram picture on. Picard's desk of the containment uh, container. And then they don't use it anymore. The rest of the time, they went to 2D displays on the wall instead of using the stuff in the middle. Probably budget situation, I would imagine, because cost a lot to make the special effects. It's me, Mommy. I'm the reason. So now the the child yes. begins to explain why the problem's happening with the containment field. It's him. I guess his presence is causing it to grow. Leave. You're going to die. 
No, you can't. Uh-oh, now he's going to die. The panel that Dr. Catherine uh, Pulaski brings up to research the origins of the plasma plague during the episode actually contained the name of uh, TNG staff Rob Bowman, Maurice Hurley, Jason or Jaron Summers, John Pavel, Robert Legato, and Gary Hutzel. Or Hutzel, I'm not sure how you say his name. But uh, they always did that kind of stuff where they would put stuff on the plaques or on the computer screens. It's also, this episode is also um, the very first time we see Deanna Troy in her maroon casual attire in this episode. And then the, the, the child now passes away. He dies. But he's basically saying, hey, I got to go because... Um, it's not a good situation here and I gotta I gotta get out of here. Some more firsts on this episode. Oh this is cool. Now he just turned into light again and he goes into Deanna's hands and she looks down at the, the light in her hands. Cool. And now he's explaining to her in alien language, or in her own, I know, why it all happened. So now we're going to get an answer. Wow, that was kind of cool. Cool special effects. So now here she's going to explain what was going on. Give us your explanation, Deanna. Thank you, Lieutenant. Vivian was right. He was the cause. He was the cause. Is a life force entity. When we passed each other in space, he was curious about us, so he decided the best way to learn was to go through the process. I like hearing what she says. Could live as one of us and in that way to understand us. Which is a really cool concept and idea. He said thank you. Aw, he thanked Deanna for being I his mommy. Oh, am I missing all the good parts? Yeah. Aw. You are. It's almost done. You're going to... Uh, okay, I'll wait and get my tea in a little bit then. What? I thought you went to go get yours. I gave you yours first. We can share? No. Okay. I don't want to make you sick again. All right. So I missed all the good parts. Well, she just explained why it all happened and why he had to die. I think I cried when I first saw it. Maybe it's yeah. good I missed this part. Yeah. Because I would be bombed. So now let's watch some more first. If you look up at uh, Worf's uniform, it's the first time that he wears the silver The decoration. Sash. Yeah. And he wears it from this on. And also the Enterprise, when they do the beaming technology mm -hmm. on, on the transporter, they do it like the old series now. 
where they move okay. their hand up and down on the thing. They didn't do that first. Huh. In my ready room when your duties permit. Thank you, sir. How long is it going to take to develop a vaccine? I've got it. Bert's bees cough drop, so hopefully that'll keep me through for a minute. All right, now they're going to beam the stuff down to the planet so that they can uh, <coughs> they can get a cure for this plague. Which is really cool. Okay, so now here's another big, huge change in Next Generation. I've thought about this a lot. I want to remain on the Enterprise. So Wesley wants to remain on the Enterprise. Have you discussed this with your mother? No, sir. Before I do that, I'd like your permission to stay. Wesley, it's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, hello? This is where I want to be. This is where I feel I belong. Captain, transfer complete. We are ready to leave orbit. Make it so, number one. Turn to your position. You know, when we saw the... Uh the warp thing in 10 forward that was the very first time they used it what's wow. the first on this one they got a i guess their budget got secured they were requested to remain on the enterprise i'm not surprised how did you respond i haven't as yet number one i didn't think that it was my responsibility alone i like this conversation it's pretty funny mother gone who will see to his studies who will see to his studies of course that duty will fall to commander data and who will tuck him in at night Come on, Commander. <laughs> I will accept that responsibility. <laughs> oh, no. Not Worf. Who would want him to tuck you in? <laughs> he won't be out past curfew. Yeah. I will accept that responsibility. Worf rocks. Mr. Crusher, communicate with your mother at Starfleet Medical Headquarters. Give her my Can you imagine all of a sudden? It, of course, sh the mom has to agree to this. By her wishes. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I know she'll agree. Yeah, I would too. Get rid of your teenager for a while. There are days. <laughs> so this was a pretty power-packed episode. A lot of firsts. We get introduced to a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And there it is. Pretty cool. What'd you think? Did you like this episode? Obviously. Yes, I, I kind of picked the episode, but I'm sad that I was making tea right at the most sensitive, emotional, mom, awesome part. What? When, they, when he dies? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just tender and feeling and, you know, there's there's a certain bond between a mother and child, even though... They may drive you a little bit crazy when they're <coughs> throwing temper tantrums when they're two or, again, when they're 14. But, you know, you still love your children. And sure. so to have to say goodbye to a child is just devastating. But what a cool <coughs> what a cool concept, though, to have um, the baby be born and experience life like we would. It's fair. It's, mm -hmm. it's got a bit of Christian overtones there. 
you know, like uh, of of uh, Jesus becoming uh, a, a man, a man, and experiencing life like or we have, or Star Wars, or Star Wars, like <laughs> Anakin, right? Yeah. So on and so forth. The but, immaculate conception. <laughs> but what a cool concept for the storyline, and then and then the uh, the the way to get rid of him, obviously, is to have him make something not work on the Enterprise. Yeah. Um. Now. Another episode that is one of my favorite ones that you said, oh, they already did that one. But Inner Light, where Picard gets Lives some, somebody else's life. Yeah, he gets scanned by a probe, and he lives a, a whole life. In one episode, grows old and has grandchildren mm-hmm. and grandchildren, and um, all in the matter of one episode, well, this probe is scanning him or something, and then they revive him and... He's like, all of a sudden, he knows how to play this flute, and he has this flute. Um, You know, so that was another episode that kind of went through all the emotions of trying to save your family and the bonding of parent and child. And, you know, we're coming up into spring again where we have Mother's Day and Father's Day. And so a lot of times we think about new life this time of year. Sure. And, you know, there's the crocuses and daffodils and tulips are starting to bloom and yeah so you know springtime you know if only half of them bloom they'd be one lips oh no so why don't we play some of the comments uh that we got yeah. from listeners yeah so you don't have to hear, hear me rumbling on about spring rumbling rambling rambling all right I'm well let's sorry. play our first comment and then i we'll took be, we'll cold, be back to... cold medicine before the podcast and i'm a little you're a little rummy. Rummy from All right. Dayquil. Here's our first comment. Hey, Rick and Amy. This is Sean and Bridget. We're the hosts of the Rusted Robot Podcast. We just wanted to give you a few comments on The Child, the episode that you're reviewing today. Which is Season 2, Episode 1. That's right. And we thought, and I'm sure you're going to cover this, but uh, it's significant in quite a few ways, wouldn't you say, Bridget? I would say so. So we just finished watching it. And there's some new introductions to Star Trek Next Generation in this episode that we thought were pretty interesting. That's right. The first one is the uh, introduction of Chief Engineer Geordi LaForge. Yes, and we're very proud of our LaForge for getting in that position. Quite a promotion. Yes. 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 And then we're introduced, of course, to Ten Forward. And Guinan. And Guinan. Which I thought was really awesome. That's right. There was a void before Guinan. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then we get to meet Riker's beard. I like Riker's beard. It's it's like they took a handsome man and made him extra handsome. Yes, they did. Yeah, Riker's just not Riker without his beard. That's right. Also, Dr. Pulaski mm-hmm. replaces Dr. Crusher. They talk a lot about Wesley's mom in the episode, but they never mention her by name. Did you notice that? Really? They never say Beverly? No, they just say, your mom this, your mom that, and your mom's over here, and you better ask your mom. I didn't notice. I was too uh, busy not liking Pulaski at all. Right. Well, Pulaski, she um, she was kind of introduced as McCoy. You, you remember in the original series how there was the uh, the McCoy-Spock relationship? Mm-hmm. Well, it's also the same as the Pulaski-Data relationship. Yes, except I like the Spock-McCoy relationship more than the Pulaski-Data relationship, only because I like my data, and I don't like how Pulaski picks on him. Is it data or is it data? Really? That was a little too sarcastic for one my, is my One is my name. The other is not. That's right. Get it right. Yeah. 
And uh, the only other thing we really noticed about the episode, other than, well, it was, it was not very good, but um, the... What conti- do you mean? His face was wet. Yeah. Mom, my face is wet. <laughs> Ow, I burned myself. <laughs> Don't worry. It'll be okay. Oh, yes, but Troy got a really good experience out of it. She did. That's right. You know? Yeah. And, and the only other thing I wanted to say, uh, the, uh, the whole thing with the uh, specimens of plasma plague, the containment field. Yes. I don't know if anybody else has ever noticed it, but it looks like the same device that was used in the season three premiere for Dr. Paul Stubbs' great egg. On its side. Yeah. It's just tilted on its side. I, I think so. There's a great resemblance there. Yeah. Interesting. That's it. Interesting. Anything else you wanted to say about the episode? No, that about wraps it up. We just wanted to give our two cents and say hello to our friends Rick and Amy. And the listeners of the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast. That's right. Don't forget to check out the Rusted Robot podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. That was fun. Yeah, it seems like they had a lot of the same ideas we had. Yeah, well. Great minds, right? That's right. Except I think Bridget likes Star Trek more than you do. Well, it's not that I don't like Star Trek. I like Star Trek. I just prefer newer Star Treks, like <laughs> that I haven't seen 50 million times. Yeah, just because you and Catherine like Chris Pine eye candy. Well, no comment. Yeah, you but, better not make any comment. But, you know, it, it it's just fun seeing a new um Carol plot. Marcus? So, no, I don't. Anyway. I I like a new plot, a new, you know, because... (laughs) I want a new plot. Because, you know, I've talked about this before on our podcast that you can turn on Star Trek (laughs) and as I'm going to sleep with my eyes closed... I can I might not know all the names of each of the episodes, but within about thirty seconds, with my eyes closed, I can usually tell you what the whole plot is and just happily go to sleep because I don't need to watch it. I know what's going to happen. Okay, whatever. That's pretty much what you like to watch. Yes, a lot. Shall we play another comment? Sure. All right. Thanks, by the way, guys, for your comment. It was great. Very good. Appreciate it. And the Rusted Robot podcast rocks. Direct from the database in Bremerton, Washington, it's Data Logan's Datalog. One is my name, the other is not. 2014, March 25th. I was a bit excited to learn that you were going to be talking about the TNG episode, The Child. Always interested in hearing new opinions about the most important little item from that episode. One that passes by so quickly and in the background that you might not even notice it, but it's there. For a show known for its progressiveness and its willingness to talk about interesting and controversial topics, Star Trek did shy away from a few select topics for the most part, such as sexuality and abortion. Abortion being the one significant topic brought up in this episode. The show generally stays away from talking about abortion by just never having it come up. When you look at the Federation, which is supposed to represent humanity of the future, It's pretty much never a situation in the show where a Federation woman is pregnant outside of marriage or is pregnant in such a way that they don't want the kid. Towards the end of DS9, Ben Sisko and Cassidy Yates had this quick hasty marriage in one episode just so she can get pregnant in the very next episode because they couldn't have her be pregnant outside of marriage. And of course she wanted the baby. Same with the kid from Tom Paris and Bellana Torres. Worf and Jadzia Dax were married and wanted kids, even though they couldn't have them. Miles and Keiko O'Brien. There was the original series episode, Who Mourns for Adonai, where the original script called for a Federation woman to get pregnant outside of marriage. 
but that was dropped from the script. So Star Trek has really never gone there to the realm of unwanted pregnancies, or even to the realm of people having babies outside of marriage. There was a Star Trek Enterprise episode, Chosen Realm, in which a non-Federation, non-human person comes and asks for an abortion. But of course, within the context of the show, Dr. Flox never has to answer that question. And even if he did, he's an alien and not human. So again, the show wouldn't be dictating what human morals should be. So it's interesting that the two places I know of in Star Trek lore where you get the closest possible to actually talking about abortion are in The Next Generation second season. One is the allusion to abortion that you get in Up the Long Ladder when Pulaski and Riker kill clones of theirs that are still incubating or something. But the other one is in The Child, when Troy is pregnant outside of marriage after being violated by an alien, and abortion is brought up as a possibility in the meeting. Worf, of course, being the one who brings it up. But there is some debate about it, although you can't hear the debate because they tone down the background noise, so they're just focusing on Troy and her baby at the time. And of course, she very quickly says, no, I want to keep the baby. So it's debatable whether or not Federation society would actually allow abortion at all. By the way, you would think that Worf wanting to abort Troy's baby would have caused some tension between them, which never really happened on screen, but it did happen in novels. There was a book, at least one book, where Troy does deal with these kind of issues. TNG novel number 16, Contamination by John Vornhart. In that novel, Worf and Troy have to team up on a murder investigation. And during that time period, she's dealing with this whole, I don't really like Worf because he wanted to abort my child. So these these feelings that Troy goes, goes through in the novel, and, and she sort of gets over it and becomes a bit more friends with him. Because on the show, they hadn't really been together much. I mean, they hadn't really, they don't interact much. And it's sort of an interesting stepping stone from their early relationship, which was more adversarial, to the book where they sort of develop their friendship, and then in the, later in the show where they have their quote-unquote romance. One other little thing I wanted to mention about the episode. Whenever I rewatch this episode nowadays after having watched Deep Space Nine, I can't help but be struck by how much the actress Don Arneman, who plays Miss Gladstone in this episode, looks very much like Nana Visitor, the actress who plays Kira Norris over on DS9. Deep Door has Musma. Data out. <laughs> that was excellent. Yeah. Very good, Data Logan. Yeah. We when you, we were playing with this this gaff, playing the whatever he said. Comment. Comment, that's it. Um we did think about one um one child that was born out of wedlock. David. David, Captain Kirk's son David. Yeah. Um but obviously Carol Marcus David is dead. Carol Marcus wanted him. She had him. Yeah. Um, and raised him. Um, it's interesting that she never told Kirk about him because I guess maybe she just didn't feel like he was much father material since he was kind of a Well, and then look at Alexander. And now Worf wanted to marry Alexander's mom. Mm-hmm. Kalar was my mate. But she didn't want anything Jay. to do with Klingon um, marriage rituals. She wanted to be more, um, would you call her um, free thinking? Um, what? Non-traditional. Yeah, she didn't, she wasn't a, a traditional. She was like a, 
What are you trying? I'm trying to think of the word. Progressive? Well, no, you know, like, a, a, I don't know if I, yeah, I'm having word finding problems That's today. okay. But, but thank you, Data Logan, for yeah, your comments. They yeah, were They were right stuff. on and really good. And and one thing I've noticed about Gene Roddenberry mm-hmm. all the way through is that. And he was still involved by, at this time. Is that he had an interesting way of bringing about moral dilemmas. Mm-hmm. And things weren't always solved the way you would like them to be, but he always made you think mm-hmm. and made you question. Yeah. And I, I thought about the episode where Majel Barrett, um, Loxana Troy, fell in love with a man who was turning 60. Right. And in their society, once right. you turn 60, you committed suicide. That was the episode sort of Half a Life. And and um, she brought up the injustice of that, that he could go on and mentor other people. He could solve big problems. And, you know, he'd done all this research. It was this great scientific mind. And mm-hmm. and just being a, a living being, she just didn't think it was right when he could have so many more valuable years. I mean, mm-hmm. just his presence was valuable. So I, I'm just saying that, Gene Roddenberry, um, he had a way of of bringing up s- sensitive subjects mm-hmm. and not necessarily preaching or saying how how, how we should feel we about should it. Feel we just about brought it, it up, but he would bring it bring but, it up. But you have to say, look at Star Trek overall, though, and all the different series, and they really. The whole idea was to discover new life. And so they were very life-orientated. Well, and even the Prime Directive mm-hmm. was not to interfere with the development or the... Right, even though they did many times. They did, but but the idea was there that you were supposed to let different species and cultures, cultures yeah. develop in their own way and, and because they were unique, they were special, and right. you weren't supposed to mess with it. Yeah. Mess with the life. There was a sanctity of life or something there. Yeah. Kind I, of perva- is pervasive through Star Trek, which is one of the reasons I like it, which is really odd in some sense because of the way that Gene, his philosophy as far as religion and humanism well, he, and stuff yeah, like that. He, he was a secular humanist, which, mm-hmm. de- which in a sense means almost atheist. I've, I've read the humanistic manifesto. So... There isn't a really belief in a higher power or deity, and yet he did bring forth this value of life. Life, yeah, which I think was really kind of that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, all right, we have one more comment. Okay. And from our friend Jen. Uh huh. So let's play it, and we'll okay. comment it on, and then we'll we'll uh, wrap things up. Okay. So, take it away, Jen. Hey, Rick and Amy, it's your friend Jen from the Anomaly Podcast. And you are covering one of my all-time favorite episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. And it makes me cry every time I watch it. Even though I know the outcome. I know that it's not really a kid, it's an alien entity, and it's all weird and junk. But it still makes me cry. And it has since the first time I watched it. And now that I'm a mom, I have a totally different perspective, and it affects me a lot more deeply than it did back then. In fact, I watched it this evening, and it made me cry again. I guess I'm a sap. 
This is an episode I've been wanting to cover for a long time on Anomaly, but it's not one of Angela's favorite episodes. In fact, I think she hates it. I guess I can start from the beginning. It was a little uncomfortable that um, glowing light enters Deanna. (laughs) What else is weird? Uh, They're all in the ready room, and Deanna is at one end of the table looking very ashamed, and everyone else is at the other end of the table looking at her accusingly or shocked. Riker is more than shocked. He's outraged as if she should not be having any relations while he's off gallivanting being ho-bag of the universe. The whole reason they're not together is because of him. I liked him again towards the end of this series, but for most of it I didn't like him at all, and I think it was because of the way he treated Deanna in this episode. And then a few scenes later, she's having the baby, and he's leaning in the doorway staring at her adoringly as she's not going through actual childbirth. He has a adoring, proud, fatherly husband look. And then at the end of the episode, he's back to being a jackass. She's kneeling by Ethan, who's dying, and he's standing at the end of the bed, just watching it all occur. And when the boy does die, and she weeps, he's not even moved enough to stand next to her and put a comforting hand on her shoulder. I mean, what the heck? I think my dislike of him is totally justified. What else? Ethan is a very good boy. Granted, he's an intelligent alien life form who's trying to experience humanity, but it would have been nice if when Deanna came to pick him up from the daycare and he's playing with the puppies, if he just threw this huge temper tantrum, because that would have added something to the episode, I think. I can tell you from experience, it's embarrassing. And it would have been awesome to see Deanna deal with that. I really enjoyed the camera angles in this episode, and I wished that there were more of them throughout the series. For instance, there was one point on the bridge where the camera swings from tactical station upward towards Captain Picard, and you get to see the wood grain and the curvature of the tactical station and the panel. I remember seeing that this evening when I watched it again for the 300th time and thinking, wow, that really holds up. It looks awesome. In contrast, the doctor who has the container full of things that are threatening to destroy the Enterprise, the device he uses to monitor that looks archaic. That was a bad prop. I'm not sure what that was, but it wasn't Star Trek. Another camera angle that I really liked was um, when the, the camera was outside looking in at Wesley in 10 forward. It added another dimension. It made it feel like they weren't just on a set. Something that added to that feeling was when you're inside 10 forward behind Wesley and Guinan as they were looking out into space and the Enterprise moves away from the planet and the light crosses their face. It just made it feel real. It made it feel like they were actually on a ship. I like the tie-in between Wesley's transition from childhood to adolescence and independence and Ian's tiny bit of experience of humanity from conception to death. This was the first episode that Pulaski appeared in. I have to admit, I don't like Pulaski. She replaced Crusher. And as a young girl, Crusher was a character that I looked up to. She was a strong female character. She was intelligent. She had a position of authority. And she was still a mom, and she was feminine and smart and capable, and then she was gone. And they replaced her with an older woman with really bad hair. She insisted on calling Data Data, and then laughed at him when he corrected her, and she says, what's the difference? I just loved his reaction to that when he says, 
One is my name, the other is not. Boom. In your face, Pulaski. The Child is one of my all-time favorite episodes, and I'm glad that you're covering it, and I can't wait to hear what you say about it. This is Jen from Anomaly, signing off. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. We enjoyed your comments yes, as well as much. everyone else's. Very cool. Mm-hmm. It's great stuff. She's over here smiling. She agrees with you on Commander Hobag. Yeah, I was like, adequate wordage. <laughs> I, that it always bothered me how he was supposedly in love with Diana, but but he slept with everything that everything that moved. moved. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all different kinds of alien species. I'm going. How many different alien diseases could one man have? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, walking STD. <laughs> but I, I really liked your observations, Jen. There, uh, many of them I share with you, and uh, except for the fact that I really like Pulaski. I, you know, I like both of the doctors. I don't know why Angela wouldn't like that episode. That doesn't make any sense. We'll have to talk to her about that. Maybe she just doesn't like it because it's sad. It could be. It could be. Well, there you go. Thank you again for your comments, Jen and uh, Data Logan. Yeah. And the Vanderloos from the Rusted mm-hmm. Robot podcast. Thank you. Um, Anomaly podcast is awesome, too. We enjoy it. Yes. And- I've listened to many, many, many Anomaly podcast. Yeah, we think it's awesome. I love all the interviews they get, the mm-hmm. different things. Those are fun. But, you know, the granddaddy show of them all yeah. is Treks in Sci-Fi, which we have just had the privilege and the honor to host for an umpteenth time. But we, we want to say thank you to Rico. Rico, thanks for having this great Treks in Sci-Fi community. If you are listening to the podcast and you've never been over to the forums or our <laughs> Facebook page, you sure can. If you go to Facebook, just type in Treks in Sci-Fi, and mm-hmm. you'll find us, and you should join because we have a great time on there. You also could come to the forums at treksinsci-fi.com, mm-hmm. and there's notes there for the podcast and bunches of other things that take place, and it's really fun. Great community of cool people, and we just have a blast. But, uh, yeah, what a backlog of programs you can listen to and be entertained. If you like Trek, this is the place to be, but not just Trek. Lots All sorts of, of cool yeah. sci-fi I, stuff. I think that's one of the thing I li- things I like about Rico's podcast is mm-hmm. that he'll talk about all different kinds of movies and yeah. stuff. You know, the majority are probably sci-fi, but yeah, um, but not all. You know, yeah. he likes a, a wide range of entertainment just like we do. So. Yeah, so it's very cool. So thanks again, Rico, for everything. And thanks for all the guest hosts over this uh, year so far. We really enjoyed all your stuff. So... Uh, very, very big thanks to you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Uh, this is Rick Moyer. And Amy Moyer. And we're from the Take Him With You podcast. You can always get a hold of us there. But if you'd like to get a hold of Rico at Treks and Sci-Fi, all you have to do is write to treksf at gmail.com or visit treksandsci-fi.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. Listening to Treks in Sci-Fi.
Join the forum at treksinsci-fi.com forward slash forum or write to Rico today. treksf at gmail.com Until next time, live long and prosper. Treks in sci-fi.